Hi, welcome to West Coast Fire. I'm your host, Pastor Brian King, and this morning with me, my guest is the lovely Delinda Erickson. This morning, Dee and I are going to be talking about what it's like growing up in a hardcore Pentecostal home and the trauma of coming out gay and how that affects someone as an adult in their walk, in their faith. Dee right now is battling, uh, seriously battling leukemia. And that's why the, the do-rag, um, she's made the trip all the way from Phoenix to be here this morning. Uh, I'm getting emotional. She made the, the trip from Phoenix to be here for this because, you know, we wrote, we talked, Dee and I talked, Dee's a really dear friend of mine. And, and we've been talking about uh, what can we do to reach out to help people that are, that are still struggling with the trauma of coming out in a hardcore Pentecostal or a hardcore religious home of any kind. So I'm going to let Dee talk and then we're, I'll just, um, we're just going to, this is a podcast, so no script. We're just going to talk and hopefully be able to help some people dealing with these things this morning. Amen. So Dee, um, so your mom and dad, were they UPC or Pentecostal or what, what was the deal? They were Pentecostal Assembly of God. Oh, okay. So, um, when they found out my brother was gay because they found his love letters in his drawers. Oh, wow. They kicked him out of the house. Mm. So. And how old was he? 17. Wow. Yes. So 17 and on the streets. Yes. Because he was in love with another boy. Yes. It's not cool, folks. It's not cool at all. There's a there's a saying, D, on Facebook. You'll see it all the time. It says, the fact that you raised a gay kid doesn't make you a bad parent. The fact that you turn your back on your gay kid does. So, what's, what's your story? Tell us about you. My story is pretty much the same that when I moved out, they knew I was gay. And they've never accepted any one of my partners. They still believe hardcore in the King James Bible. And... From probably about 18 until I got out of college, which was in, I was 26. And being 26, I didn't talk to him. I didn't talk to him for many years. Because you don't know the mental disability it puts on a young person. And that's what we want to kind of talk about is, is most, most parents of LGBT kids don't realize that what they do is tantamount to abuse. And it creates amazing, uh, devastating trauma. And and I know um, my parents died before I came out, so I never went through that. But I went through all the, I better not find out you are stuff, you know, from my military officer, uh, Baptist father. But you actually, your mom and dad are still alive. Yes, they are. And you still have um, contact with them. Yes. And you're back to, you have a understanding, I guess, that um, they still love you, however, they don't accept you. Is that Would that be the way to put it? They're, my mom's exact words was, we love you, we don't like your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's that whole gay lifestyle thing. Yeah. So, um, your brother was 17 when they kicked him out. How old were you when they kicked him out of the house? I was six or seven. Oh wow and what did that do to you all of a sudden were you and your brother close we were close but it 
from that point on, I never saw him until the day he died. Oh my God! And when was that? How long In was that? In '89. How long? How old were you then? I was 18. My I was a senior in high school. What did he die of? Was he died of AIDS from his partner. So the first trauma that was inflicted on you was watching your brother get kicked out of the house. Yes. And I guess it didn't get any easier from there. What, what was what was your parents' reaction when he died? They went to see if they can get him to confess his sins and and go to heaven. Was your brother born again? No, he was not. He was not? No. It turned them away, it turned him away from the church. Yeah. By that being done, mentally, he never went to church again. He didn't want to be in a church. And that's what happens to so many of our people. Yes. Um, I, I get people all the time, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor and I'm on Facebook and I get people all the time that will send me a message that says, you know, I haven't been to church in years, I haven't wanted to, but thank you for what you posted this morning. Uh, it, it, I, he's, I felt a little bit of hope. And the bottom line is scripture says that God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed. It didn't say so that all the straight people that believe would go to heaven. No. It said so that whosoever. And the church has gotten it wrong. The church has gotten it seriously wrong. So let's pick up from there, from the time of your brother's death. And what? how did that impact your life? Watching him having been ostracized, you're not allowed to have contact with him until all of a sudden you're at the funeral. Was this a, another layer of trauma? It's another layer of trauma because you have to look at it as not being accepted is, is very hard as it is, no matter what it is, whether it's bullying or whatever. But not being accepted by your parents yeah. is excruciating. Right. So I hid it for, I knew by the time I was 10 years old that I was gay. And I knew that if I said anything, or did anything out of the ordinary, I'd be the next one to go. So you played the part? I had to play the part. I married a man, I had two kids, got out of that relationship and I decided to move on. Did you do wear the dresses and do all the girly things that you were expected to do, go to the prom with your boyfriend and all that? Yep, I did all that stuff. And people don't realize that's literally more trauma, mm -hmm. having to play a having to play a role, having to play a part. Um, I, that's what I did. That's how I made it all those years. Um, I moved away from home, moved to a different state. And even then though, I, I, I didn't allow most anybody to know. Um, I was married, but had a boyfriend on the side. Um, people don't realize that, that that's a trauma and it just keeps building and building. So tell me, how does that, all of that, how does that affect you today with your walk? Can you kind of give us a, like a history, just walk us through the stages that you've been through to kind of where you are. Because right now, Dee's a ferocious fighter uh, in the faith for, for her health and, and for just everything that she holds dear. And she's got a group of people that love her and we're all fighting with her. Amen. So just kind of give us this kind of the stages, if you would, of the different things 
you know, that you went through? Was, was there, you know, times that, that you just walked away and said, I'm done? Just, just kind of tell us the, the um, evolution uh, of, of your faith, how it's progressed over the years but, to where you are now. I did walk away. I walked away from the church. I walked away from anything that had to do with church, mm -hmm. even music. And I moved out of the city that my parents lived in. And I moved across town. I didn't talk to them. I, when, I, when I officially came out and I moved in with my, with my partner, they were very disturbed that I would put my kids in that role. So again, here we go. We don't have any, any communication. And it hasn't been, my faith is so strong that I, I lean on it a lot. I can raise my hands in, in my house and pray. I can pray for somebody else without a problem. Not an issue. I just found that distancing myself away from them was what I had to do because I felt it was toxic. Because every time you talk to them, the Bible this, the Bible that, and they keep reiterating it to you. And I don't want to be preached at all the time. I know in my heart that God loves me. Amen. I know in my heart that I'm not going to hell. Amen. I know when the when the God comes back for all of us, I'm going to be in there just like anybody else. Amen. So I have no problem with it. Lately, due to my condition with leukemia, we've kind of brought back the relationship with my parents. Um, they are prayer warriors. I give them that. Do they accept that you are saved? Do they do they actually believe that you're saved or no? They do okay. not. They believe that I'm not saved, and they don't they don't believe in LGBT churches. Right. So. Wow. So, but where you are now, now you're, because I, I know, because I get reports and I talk to you and I talk to Stacey, um, that you're, you'll be in for a treatment and witnessing to the nurses yes. because you're so bubbly, people want to know what it is and you're telling them, so you're telling, you've taken the trauma, you've obviously healed from it, um, but I'm sure that was a slow, a slow road. It was a slow the healing. Even up to last year, when I asked Stacy to marry me, I wrote my parents in a letter I that I put that. out, and the rejection that came from just my letter, just wanting you to be there to support me. Right. The letter I got back was so outrageous. I, I could not ever tell my child anything like what I was told. So how do you how do you take? All that hurt, all that rejection that's as recently as a year, channel all that into this bubbly person that people just want to know who you are and what, what makes you. There's there's a light inside D. When she's out, there's a light in her. Um, people see it and they want to know what's going on. So how, how do you take all of that hurt and all that rejection that you're, that you're still to this day facing and channel it into such a positivity that makes other people want to know the Jesus that you have. Can, can you, do you even know how you do that? Because I've learned in, through the rejection, through the trauma and the mental abuse that I'm not going to let somebody define who I am. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to 
be who I am. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to be positive and trust God that he will carry me through. Okay. Um, it's, it's not, I'm not telling you it's easy every day, Brian, but there's some days it, you just push yourself away. And that's why I probably don't go back home a lot yeah. because when I walk in that room, it's a different atmosphere and you can tell me you love me, but do you love me? Yeah. Actions speak louder than words. Exactly. And when they wrote that, when my mom wrote the letter back to me, rejecting to come to the wedding, that's how I felt. So I can't let them define who I am. I'm not going to let them define who I am. I'm still going to go to church. I'm still going to serve a good God. I'm still going to get my healing. I'm still going to produce. Anybody I walk by a lot of the times, and you can ask Stacy. I'll smile at him and say, hey, can I pray for you? Yeah. I'm not afraid. And I get these are the reports I get back about you all the time. And you, you have brought me such encouragement just with the way you're handling this. Um, it's one of those things, you know, folks, we, we look at this, a, a lot of people are arrogant and they say, well, if I was in that position, I'd do that too. Like, I don't know that I would. Um, honestly, I, you know, I'm a guy, we get a fever and, and, and a headache and it's stage four cancer. Um, you know, and, and we're planning our funerals and our memorial services. Um, so women have a resilience that men don't have. Um, they also have a tenacity about them to, to just plow through. Um, what would your advice be um, to, we're going to talk about two different things, your advice to people who have gone through the trauma of the rejection and have families that are still, because um, what I hear from you, that, that part of the secret to your peace is that you keep them at arm's distance that you keep the negative out of your life. And I know that I still have friends, a lot of friends on Facebook that are clinging desperately to those rejecting families. What, what, what would your advice to them be? Do the same thing I did. Put them out there, let them say what they want to say, let them do what they want to do. But don't let what they say make you feel any worse. Find a, a support group, which is what I did in college. I had to find a support group because I just needed that support group that was around me that were the same as I was that we could talk openly. Right. So if that's what it is, you, you need to find counseling or, or a support group. And there's several of them out there. Um, recently, I've reached out to uh, Free Hugs Arizona. Right. Um, Free Hugs Mom Arizona. And I have a great person in my life who, who guides me and said is that mom figure that I've never really had that's awesome so some you need to learn to trust somebody in your circle or something like that that you can talk it out mentally and be you okay. I've seen too many young people in, in Arizona and they're on the streets yeah. They have nowhere to go. And it's really sad because they don't have a home. I agree. So I don't ever want to see a child or an individual be homeless, especially an LGBTQ right. individual because of rejection. It's not fun. No. 
You cry, you, you get angry, and you do what you got to do. But it's not fair. Okay, so let me ask you a question. You, you mentioned, because I knew that you and, and your wife were involved in Free, hug, free Mom Hugs Arizona. But are you telling me that you have, you're not only a mom to others, but you have a mom now? Yes, I do. Okay, so that's, because this is something I didn't know, folks. Um, so that's not just for teenagers or for, for college-age kids. This is somebody, you're in your 40s. This is, uh, you've reached out and found a connection for that mom support that you never had. Yes. That's awesome. I didn't know about that. So it's um, Free Mom Hugs Arizona? Yes. And I'm sure there's one in every state. Is that right? There's just about one in every state. Yes. Okay, so if you're watching this and you're going through that rejection, I'm going to encourage you because it's done, it's done something for Dee. It's given her a piece. And it's given her a, a, something that was missing in her life. So if, if you're one of those people, regardless of your age, I didn't know that, reach out to um, Free Mom Hugs uh, um, and find out if they've got something local. If there's something, you know, the virus isn't always going to be with us people. No. Um, so there's that. So reach out to them. The last thing, and we're going to close in just a minute. Um, what advice would you as a woman of, of faith, a woman of great faith, through all the trials and tribulations that you've walked through, what advice would you give someone who is battling a life-threatening disease of some kind, or a, just basically any situation that they feel is insurmountable in the natural? Stay positive. Hold on to your faith. Talk to people. Don't be afraid to tell somebody when you're in pain. Yeah, but be that's there. important. Just be there for others. And that's what, what the nurses and the doctors, if they see, it's because I have music on in my room when I'm admitted each time. Right. And one of the nurses says, oh, you don't need to turn your worship music off. She goes, I actually like it. Yeah. So just that alone is kind of like refreshing to know. Right. And just hold on. Hold God's on. got you in the end. Hold on to your faith. Yes. I, I have proclaimed since I was diagnosed in June that God's got me in the palm of his hand. Amen. And he knows what he's doing. Amen. So I'm just going to lean on him every day. And that's the key, every day. Because I'm sure you have good days and bad days. Yes, I do. And it's even more important on the bad days that yes. you just press in. Mm -hmm. I love you much. So, y'all, I'm going to just pray real quickly for the people watching and for the people listening on the podcast. If you're struggling with something, whether it's rejection from a family member or from your whole, it could be your whole family, uh, or whether you're, you're battling with something that seems beyond your, your ability to, to grasp it and to cope with it, I'm just going to pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the words of encouragement that you've spoken through your, your daughter, Dee, this morning. And Lord God, I just ask you for those listening that, you, that are struggling, Father God, that you would plant a seed of hope in each and every one of them. And Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I speak peace and I speak healing. I speak comfort. I speak health. I speak wholeness. Father God, I speak blessing upon everyone listening to this. And we ask you to wrap your arms around them, draw them close to you. Let them know that you were held in the palm of their hand, as Jesus said. We ask it in the beautiful name of your Son, Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. This is Pastor Brian King with West Coast Fire. I love you all. Wishing you the blessing of Shalom. May there be nothing missing, nothing broken in your lives.